Have you ever been offended by Jesus? Has Jesus ever offended you? Did you know that it is possible to be offended by Jesus? It really is. And we're preacher, who in the who in the world would be offended by Jesus? Well, real quick, I'm not going to look at all of them, but I'm going to look at a couple of examples tonight. Uh, for example, in Matthew chapter 15, where I ask you to turn, look in verse 10. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? So, as you can see there, and obviously this is not the only time Jesus offended the religious, but he clearly offended the Pharisees by what he said. They were offended by Jesus. Then go to John chapter 6, and I opted not to use a screen tonight because sometimes I think we need to learn, especially new believers. It's good to turn in your Bible. Uh, on occasion and not be spoiled and have the preacher put all everything up on the screen and um, so that's why we're doing that tonight John chapter 6 and verse 57 <clears throat> as the living father hath sent me and I live by the father so he that eateth me even he shall live by me. Now we understand that Jesus is speaking metaphorically. He's, we, uh, we know that our, our Catholic friends have a tendency to take that way too far. Um, Jesus is speaking here metaphorically. He's equating himself here with the Passover lamb, to which he got this reaction, drop down to verse 60, many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, doth this offend you? And look at verse 66, from that time, Many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Now we understand that the word disciple simply means pupil or student or learner. And if you really study this passage, you come to this understanding that these were obviously not committed disciples. They were curious disciples at best. They were interested enough to stick until the cost became too high. And then they were gone just as quickly as they came. So we could say that Jesus not only offended unbelievers, unbelieving Pharisees, but he also offended would-be disciples, those who were not serious. <clears throat> about following him. I'll be turning to Matthew chapter 11. What about serious followers? 
I'm talking about people like you who are willing to give up an hour or two of your inquire on a Wednesday night in the middle of the week after you have worked all day already. What about people like us who are in church in the middle of the week on Wednesday night? I'm talking about people who are all in followers of Jesus. Can they be offended by him? In Matthew chapter 11, let's begin reading in verse 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And then look closely, verse 6, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Verse 6 is perhaps what we would term one of the forgotten Beatitudes. And we're familiar with the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew. But really there are a number of blessed statements just like this one scattered all throughout the Gospels. And here Jesus says that those who are not offended by him are blessed. Now, who was that particular message for on that day? Now, according to our text, it was for John the Baptist. Now, how many of you would agree that John the Baptist was more than a casual follower of Jesus? Would you agree with me that he was all in? Absolutely. John the Baptist was an all-in, all-out, full-throttle follower of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you how all-in he was. The reason he's in prison is because he called out Herod with regard to his adulterous relationship with his brother's wife, Herodias. John had enough courage to look him in the eye and say, what you're doing is not right. And it got him thrown into prison, and eventually, if you know the story, it literally got Herodias, John the Baptist's head, on a silver platter. It cost him his life. So yes, John was all in. John was, was all out for the Lord. His commitment to the truth. And his boldness cost him. So here he is, he's in prison. And I don't recall reading anywhere in the scriptures where Jesus ever went to visit John when he was in prison. And so John comes to a point where he's questioning and he's doubting. 
And he's probably thinking to himself at this point, was it really worth it? I lived my whole life to pave the way for the Messiah, and now I'm in prison. And the kingdom hasn't come, and neither has Jesus. So John sends two of his followers to go to Jesus and just ask him point blank, are you the Messiah? Are you really the one? Or should we be looking for someone else? Again, I find this interesting. Jesus refuses to go visit John. But instead, he sends word back with his disciples. And in essence, he, his message is this. I am the one. I am the Messiah. And then he says in verse 6, and by the way, fellas, tell him this. Blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. And I think the implication here is clear. John was offended by Jesus' seeming indifference toward his situation. And with that, I want to share with you tonight three reasons why believers, and I'm talking about even those who are all in, can be offended by Jesus. And here's the first reason, if you have your Bibles open, go to John 16. Here's the first one. He demands too much. John chapter 16, he demands too much. Pages turned. I told you last week this is a new Bible, and get turning too fast, I'll rip the pages. John chapter 16 and verse 1. These things, note that, these things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. Now, what what was Jesus talking about when he said these things? Now we got to go back a little bit into the next chapter. Chapter 15, verses 18, 19, and 20. Look at it. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. And Jesus said in verse 16, I've spoken these things unto you. I've given you a heads up, and I I want you to know this because I do not want you to be offended when these things happen. Jesus made it clear in his teaching, and obviously this is not the only place, but he made it clear in his teaching that following him would not be easy. Suffering and loss are both involved in being real, true-hearted followers of Jesus Christ. Just yesterday I had lunch with a 
Christian businessman in our community. He's not a member of this church. We talked about a lot of things over lunch. But this is one of the things that we talked about. That if you're going to be an all-in, all-out, true-hearted follower, committed disciple of Jesus Christ, it's going to be a grind. I mean, it just is. Coming to church three times on Sunday and one time in the middle of the week on Wednesday, it can be a grind. It can wear on you. Preparing three messages for Sunday and one for Wednesday night can be a grind on your pastor. It, it just can. This thing is not easy. And what's sad is that truth is not heralded from a lot of pulpits in our country today. And so when tough times come, people are offended. When the pastor calls for a little more commitment, people are offended. When the, when the ministry needs more help and more workers and more people to be committed, people get offended. Why? Because that's not what they bargained for. That's not what they, that pastor said that Sunday morning they got saved. He made it sound like it was all sunshine and roses. He never told me that it was going to be a grind. He never told me that, that there were going to be times that, that I was going to be called upon to sacrifice, not just my time, ah, but my money. I didn't bargain for that. That's not what I, it's not what I uh, signed up for. And so again, when the difficulties come and when, the, when the, the Christian life calls for a little bit more sacrifice, people get offended. They get offended by, by Jesus. Listen, the, the truth of what it takes to be all in is offensive to them. You tracking with me? So even disciples, real disciples of Jesus can be offended in him. But then here's another reason. He doesn't meet our expectations. Sometimes believers get offended because Jesus doesn't meet their expectations. So let's talk for just a moment about some expectations that people may have about Jesus in the Christian life when they get saved. I think one of them is what we just talked about. That being a Christian requires commitment. It just does. And we, we've said this a lot this year as our theme has been all in. Fellowship Baptist Church didn't get to where we are today on the backs of uncommitted people. No, 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 we got here on the backs of people who were committed. They were committed physically, they were committed spiritually, they were committed financially. And if we're going to keep going in the direction that we're going and reaching people, listen, it's still going to take committed followers of Christ, young and old. I think here's another expectation that often goes unmet is that Christians just don't have the same kind of problems that others have. 
Well, I'm going I'm to get in on this Christian thing because, and I watched Joe Olstein the other night, and he said that everything's good. Well, that was his first problem. He watched Joe Olstein the other night. They have the uh, mistaken idea that somehow God's going to protect them from tragedy. That they're just not going to have to suffer the same heartache and heartbreak that non-Christians face. And as much as I would love to stand here tonight and tell you as your pastor, that, that, isn't, that is a realistic expectation of Jesus It's just not. It's just not. I mean, don't you wish that as as a believer, don't you wish that our family and friends never got cancer and never suffered heart attacks and never left us unexpectedly? Listen, I buried a, a guy today that was in my youth department. That just boom, out of the clear blue, Brother Tyler comes to my office Thursday, and I was on the phone, so he waited for me, and and when I got off the phone, he said, Dad, he said, so-and-so from Tyrone, they're looking for you because they can't find so-and-so, and he said, Dad, I hate to tell you, but Jimmy Bauer was killed. Be honest with you. I've had enough of that in 2018. I'm done with that. But I've never had the expectation as a believer that somehow I lived in this little bubble and that I wouldn't have to deal with any of that. I wish I I didn't. Don't you wish that our Our kids just always loved Jesus and always did what was right and never got off track. That's not a realistic expectation. Don't you wish that becoming a Christian just guaranteed that you would live happily ever after and not have any marriage issues, that you would stay married to the same person for all your life? That's not a realistic expectation. That's God's expectation, but we live in a fallen world, and it just doesn't always work that way. Don't you wish that serving Jesus meant no more financial struggles? Can I get a witness right there? Absolutely. But folks, here's the truth tonight. Being born again does not automatically alleviate hard times. Some people don't pick up on that, and so they're offended when Jesus doesn't shield them from difficulties. Why hasn't God answered this prayer? Why hasn't God fulfilled this promise? Why did he let that happen to me? Why did he let that happen to him? Or why did he let that happen to her? Or why is God silent when I need to hear him the most? 
These are the types of questions that arise when someone is struggling with unmet expectations. Now, if you're still young in the Lord tonight and you've not met the God who refuses to meet all your expectations, you will. At some point, you're going to meet him. And how you react in that day will reveal whether you're worshiping Jesus Christ or Santa Claus. Preacher, what does that mean? Go to, go to uh, John chapter 6. Let me show you an example. John chapter 6 and verse 26. You still with me? John chapter 6. This is in the context of the feeding of the 5,000. And look at verse 26, John 6 and verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Jesus said, I know why you're, why you're here the day after. You're not here because you saw this miracle and you believe I'm God in the flesh. You're here because I fed you yesterday and you expect me to feed you today. And there are some people who worship a Jesus like that. They just expect him to poof, just drop things in their lap and... All they have to do is ask, and like a good Santa, he just brings it. That's not the God of the Bible. It's the God of, of evangelists who jet around in Learjets. That's their God. But that's not the God of the Bible. It's just not. So how we respond when God doesn't meet our expectations will show whether or not we love God more than we love His promises, or at least our interpretation of those promises. I think Job said it good, and I think this serves as a reality check for us. I know it does for me. When Job said, what? Shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall not receive evil. Here's a lesson to learn. Life always comes down to trusting in the Lord rather than trying to figure out His ways via our finite, limited understanding. And I know that sometimes it just seems like a bunch of preachers speak when a pastor stands before you or sits across from you and gives you this answer, sometimes we just have to learn to trust the Lord. I know that that sounds like a cop-out. And I know it sounds like, well, the priest, he's just not wanting to deal with this. He's just blowing me off. But listen to me tonight. I'm really not. I'm really not. Sometimes we just have to trust God. And that's hard. But it's reality. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust 
And then here's a, a third thing to think about tonight, sometimes why even the best believers can be offended by Jesus. It's because he doesn't show up on time. He works too slowly. He reacts too late. His deliverance takes too long. And if we're not careful, we can really be offended by that. Sometimes we'll pray for an important matter in our own lives, or sometimes we'll pray for someone else, sometimes for years. Years. And it's like the dial never moves. You know what I'm talking about? Most of you know my brother and I prayed for our parents for years. Took 13 years of praying for our mom to get saved. And another 12 years after that for our dad to get saved. And man, there were times in there it's like, God, do you care? Are you even listening? And you've prayed for things, and you're still praying for things. And it, it's easy, if we're not careful, for us to get offended at the fact that God's not responding as quickly as we want Him to. Especially if we're in a Bible study group on Sunday morning, and Somebody has a special prayer request, and then they come back the next Sunday, and now they've got to praise because Jesus did what we prayed for him to do. And you're going like, are you kidding me? What's up with that? I don't know what's up with that. I don't. Man, if we're not careful, as I said, we're... We're going to get offended. We're going to stumble. I mean, let me be honest. Waiting on the Lord can become weary. Weary. And it can lead to offense. But I know this. God always keeps perfect Pastor, I, I can relate to what you're saying tonight because honestly, I have become offended by Jesus. And honestly, Pastor, tonight I'm still a little ticked off about the whole thing. So how does Jesus deal with us when we get offended by Him? When He doesn't do what we think he should do or when our Christian life doesn't run as smoothly as we would like or he's not moving as quickly as we would like and, and we do, we get offended. How does Jesus treat people like that? Well, go back to Matthew chapter 11 and uh, let's look at verse, verses 10 and 11. Jesus sent message back with John's disciples. He said, tell them everything you've seen about the, 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 the blind seeing and the lame walking and the lepers being cleansed and the, the poor. They're having a gospel preached to them. Take all of that back to John and then also tell him this. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. 
And then I want you to, to note something here, verse 10. For this is he, Jesus speaking of John the Baptist, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, verse 11, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. That was Jesus' response to John's offense. He didn't bitterly reprove him. He didn't send his disciples back with this message, hey, you let John know that I am absolutely ashamed of him. I am so, so disappointed in him. I mean, seriously, what are people going to think if they understand that John the Baptist is offended by me? Jesus didn't put a how-to-be-happy-in-jail track in their hand and send it back to John. Jesus didn't do anything like that. On the day that, that John the Baptist made his poorest remark about Jesus, Jesus said the best thing about John the Baptist, that among those who have been born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. What did Jesus know? He knew John's frame. And he remembered that John's just dust. He's just a man. He's a great man, but he's just a man. Though John was offended at Jesus, Jesus really wasn't offended at John. He understood. He got it. So if you're here tonight and, and you're offended by Jesus for one of the reasons we've talked about tonight or maybe for some other reason, Jesus gets it. He's not mad at you. He's not angry at you. He understands. He created you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your flaws. He knows mine. He knows we're weak. And he loves us anyway. Isn't that awesome? He loves us anyway. Before we close, let me give you three ways not to be offended by Jesus. Number one, remember that, and he's honest about this up front, church, he demands that's his expectation. Well, Pastor, what does Jesus expect of me if I get saved? Everything. You're all. That's what he demands. That's just, that's just being honest. He has promised suffering. He has promised tribulation along the way. But he also talks to us about blessing and about eternal life and that one day we're going to be with him and we're going to have to deal with this nonsense anymore. Amen. So don't sell out for a cheap, easy gospel because that is not the gospel of the Bible. 
just not. And if you'll keep that in mind, that his expectation of me is very, very high. And he has told me in his word that if I follow him all out and all in, that it's going to cost me some things. There's going to be some sacrifice involved. But at the same time, he talks about the blessing of being all in. Number two, remember that his ways are higher than ours. And he doesn't always show us what he's doing or why he's doing it. We may not always understand what he does or allows, but he can still be trusted. And then number three, remember that God is in time, on time, every time. His clock ticks differently than ours. Being offended, listen, being offended by Jesus is a choice. Just like being offended by another believer is a choice. I can choose to be offended by something you've said to me or something you didn't say to me. I can be offended by the fact that you shook somebody else's hand but you didn't shake my hand. I can be offended at the fact that you mentioned his name from the pulpit but you didn't mention my name from the pulpit. Being offended is a choice. We can either be offended or not. You can choose to take offense at the Lord and stumble over that which you don't understand. Or you can trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. I can tell you which one's the better way, but you already know that. And so God help us to choose the better way. Amen.